KMTT, Kinitzion Tetzei Torah, today's Thursday. We have the weekly shiur in topics in Hilchot Kashut, given by Harav Asaf Bednash. In the last two shiurim, we discussed the issue of using an oven <coughs> for both fleshik and milchik, or using a treif oven for kosher food. Today's shiur, we will discuss how to kasher an oven if we assume that use of an oven for both milk and meat is problematic under certain circumstances, such as, according to the opinion of Rav Moshe Feinstein, when one cooks meat and milk that are uh, have liquid uncovered, or one assumes similarly it would be a problem to cook kosher food in a treif oven, how does one kasher an oven? There are two modes of koshering mentioned in the Gemara at the end of Masechet Avodah Zarah, which are libon and hagala. Four utensils used to cook food in boiling water, what we call bishol. The way to kasher them is through hagala, by boiling water in them or dipping them into a pot of boiling water. However, Hashbud v'ha'askala, four utensils which are used for roasting in dry heat, such as a spit or the grill of the grate of a barbecue. One needs to capture them through libun, which is heating them until they become, uh, literally libun means white hot, or glowing red hot, uh, which is the case, the Gemara tells us, when sparks fly off of them, as we see when a professional blowtorches a piece of metal, it glows and sparks fly off of it. That is called libon, which is how we kasher utensils, which were used uh, directly with dry heat for tray food on the fire. The question is, does an oven need hagala or libon? If we were to paskin, that an oven must be kashered through libon, that would create a significant difficulty since, uh, in most cases, it would ruin your oven to actually take a blowtorch and uh, heat your oven, the surface of your oven, until it glows, not to mention the fact that it would be very difficult to do so. A self-cleaning oven, perhaps, might reach a temperature which would be considered libun, so say Rav Moshe Feinstein many poskim, but at least for a regular oven, it would be very difficult to kosher it. On the other hand, if we were to paskin that ovens can be koshered through hagala, then even though we don't normally, one can't fill an oven with boiling water and kosher it, and one could not literally implement hagala in an oven, it would nonetheless be easy enough to clean the oven. Because there is a concept called libon kal, a lighter libon, mentioned by the uh, Ramah in Orachayim Hilchos Pesach, Siman Tafnan Aleph Seif Dalid. Ramah tells us that some people, there are some opinions that hold Mordechai. Uh, has an opinion that as long as one heats 
the utensil to the point where kash nisraf alav, where a dry piece of straw applied to the other side of the utensil would burn, say a few hundred degrees uh, Fahrenheit, a couple of hundred degrees Celsius, then that is considered liban. Now we don't normally paskin like that, but the Ramah says, When we require liban halachli, we require a full liban until it glows hot and sparks fly off of it. But any utensil which really requires Hagala, we can substitute Liban Kal for Hagala. So if we were to paskin that an oven can be kashered through Hagala, then we could substitute, the general rule is Liban Kal is an acceptable substitute for Hagala. And if we just turn the oven up to the highest temperature, or the broil, or whatever gets it the hottest, and kept it on that temperature for an hour, let us say, that would be libankalo. It would certainly get hot enough that a piece of dry straw applied to the other side of the metal lining of the oven cavity would burn, and it would be kashered. There are two halakhic issues involved in determining whether our ovens need Hagala to kasher them, or need Libun. One issue is, how is an oven used? Is an oven used for cooking in boiling water, in which case Hagala or Libun Kal would suffice, or is an oven used for roasting with dry heat? Now, of course, we believe that we know the answer. An oven is used to bake, uh, to bake bread, and to uh, to uh, broil meat. Vichule. Uh, it is used to cook food directly with dry heat. In the Mishnah Brewer, in fact, Paskins and Siman Tafnun Aleph, that an oven needs to be kashered through Liban. However. Limase, it seems that we can be more makel. Certainly, if we are discussing kashering an oven from meat to milk, we needn't worry about how the oven was used. Because the Gemara tells us, in the last daf of Masechet Avodazara, that there is a distinction between Isurabala and Heterabala. If a utensil absorb the taste of an isser of a prohibited food, then it needs to be kashered in accordance with the normal regulations. However, the Gemara tells us that in the Beit HaMikdash, the spits that they use to roast the karbanot absorb the permitted taste of a karban. However, by the next day or the day after, that karban would become no tired leftover karban would become prohibited. The Gemara tells us that if one used a spit to roast a carbon, and then waited an overnight, or overnight two days, until it became notar, became prohibited, one would need to kasher that spit through a full libun. However, what they actually did in the Beit HaMikdash is they used this spoon, they used this spit, rather, in a mode which we considered hagola, right away, right after cooking a carbon, roasting a carbon on this spit, they would do the equivalent of hagola to this spit. 
the Gemara tells us that since it is Hetera Bala, since at the time they kashered the utensil, the taste absorbed in it was still mutter, was only a future iser, but was presently mutter, we have a special kula that when kashering a utensil which absorbed a permitted taste, Hagala works no matter how the utensil absorbed its taste. One needn't kasher it using the normally required mode of kashering. Hagala works even for utensils used with direct dry heat on the fire. If it is a terabala, if the taste in them is currently mutter. The logic behind this is not explicated in the Gemara, but many Mepharshim compare it to the heter of Nat Bar Nat. We have learned a few weeks ago that a secondary taste of treif, for example, I cook ham in a pot, then use that pot to cook vegetables. Those vegetables have a secondary infusion of the taste of ham is prohibited. However, without getting into the details, a secondary taste of meat or milk is considered pariv. If I cook meat in a pot and then cook vegetables in that pot, then in many circumstances we will consider those vegetables pariv. Why? Because a taste, once it is usur, remains usur no matter how many times it is diluted and weakened by transferring. However, a taste which is inherently permissible, mutter, just has the potential to create an isser, such as the taste of meat, which is perfectly permissible, but has the potential to create an isser when mixed with milk, if it is weakened to the point where it loses its chashivut, where it is no longer so significant, it is not powerful enough to create a new iser. Similarly, when it comes to kashering, if one used utensils for treif, if one used, let us say, a spit to roast treif meat, even if one kashers it through hagala, there's still a little treif taste left inside, which is considered treif. However, if one used a spit to roast meat, which is a permissible taste, hetera bala, then, as long as one kashers it through hagala, whatever taste is inside will be weakened. A weakened taste of meat will not be significant enough to create a new iser of basar b'chalav if mixed with milk. That is the principle. A weakened taste retains its original status. If it was originally usr, but if it was originally mutter, loses the potential to create a new iser in the future. So a weakened taste of meat, when combined with milk, will not create basar b'chalav. A weakened taste of milk, when combined with meat, will not create basar b'chalav. A weakened taste of a carbon, when left overnight, will not create the new isur of notar, of leftover carbonot, which is the original application in the Gemara. If so, then when it comes to kashring an oven, which is milchik or flakeshik or any other utensil for that matter, we needn't even concern ourselves with how it absorbed. Rather, we can rely on the fact that since it was a terabala, since it absorbed a permissible, a presently permissible taste and only a potentially forbidden taste, it can be kashered through Hagala, and Liban Kal is an acceptable substitute for Hagala, which means turning it up to the highest possible setting for an hour should do the trick. However, what if we want to kasher ovens for Pesach? When it comes to the Yisra of Chametz, the Rishonim argue whether Chametz is considered Yisra or Heterabala, do we say that chametz 
is a permitted taste, which only has the potential to become usur when Pesach arrives. When Pesach arrives, so it is hetera bala. Or do we say that chametz is isura bala? Chametz is a prohibited taste all along. It is only prohibited to eat on Pesach, but it is prohibited all along. This is a very, as they say, a lumdish and analytic question. Is chametz a permissible substance all year long, which turns usher on Pesach? Or is chametz a forbidden substance all year long? However, the nature of that prohibition is that one may eat it all year long, but not on Pesach. The implications and the basis of this chakira, this analysis, needn't concern us now. But... The Rishonim argue, Tosvot, in the very last, second to last Tosvot, in Masechet of deals with this. The Rishonim argue whether Chametz is considered Yisur or Hetei And we paskin, in normal circumstances, that we are Machmir to consider Chametz to be Yisur We are Machmir that Chametz is considered a prohibited taste, even though one may eat it before Pesach, but it is fundamentally prohibited and has the status of chametz all year long, and therefore it needs to be kashered in the proper fashion. That is the psak of the Shulchan Aruch and Siman Tafnon Aleph Seif Dalid that items used with dry heat must be kashered to Liban even on even for Pesach. As the Mishnah Brewer points out in his commentary there, Sif Katan Chavchet, Lazei Eskimu Rov Poskin, Va'al Kein Pesach HaMechaber Kvatayu. The Mechaber here is following the opinion of most Rishonim. If so, when kashering an oven for Pesach, we need to analyze how an oven is used in order to determine how we must kasher it. Of course, when kashering an oven from trafe to kosher, if one moves into a home and there's a trafe oven, or one somehow accidentally trafes up an oven and needs to kasher it, we, that is certainly surabala. It has clearly absorbed a prohibited taste. And we must analyze what the proper mode for kashering an oven is. Now, as we mentioned, on the one hand, it seems like an oven was used for roasting or baking with dry heat, which it certainly often is. However, the contemporary postkin point out that our ovens are used differently from the ovens mentioned in the Gemara and even in the earlier postkin. Certainly in the times of the Gemara, the way they used an oven was more similar, though not equivalent, to the way a pizza oven is used nowadays. The food is placed directly on the surface of the oven. Except that in the pizza ovens or the matzah ovens used nowadays, the food is placed on the bottom surface of the oven, on the floor of the oven. While in time of the Gemara, the bread was baked on the walls of the oven. And it stuck to the, the it adhered to the walls, which kept it from falling down onto the coals below. But in any case, in the old days, food was actually put on the oven. So when one baked bread in the oven, you put the bread you actually put the bread on the floor or the wall of the oven and therefore the oven absorbed through direct dry heat and certainly 
required libun. However, nowadays, we never put food directly on the oven. We bake food in pots. We cook in ovens more frequently in pans. Even when we bake, we bake on a baking tray, on a utensil. Even when occasionally, at least in my experience, people put food directly on the oven to bake, they usually put a piece of silver foil down. Let's say one bakes a potato or warms up a roll in the oven. Even so, most people put a piece of silver foil and put the food on that. If so, then the oven does not absorb directly from the dry heat. How does the oven, oven absorb? Well, in two methods. Number one, through zea, through the steam of the food. And number two, through spills, accidentally, every once in a while, one spills food inside the oven and it falls down and lands on the rack or on the floor of the oven and is absorbed thus. The Shachar and Siman Tafdun Aleph discusses the some utensil they had, which was the cover of a baking tray. They would bake food, and there was a cover of the pan they baked it in. Kisoy shall barzons if tedvav of siman tafnon aleph of shochan aruch orachayim shemesimen otol acharacharak al hacharavak shenefet alakirat zarech libun. The cover of a baking pan needs libun. Why does the cover of a baking pan uh, need libun? The Torah says two reasons. Number one, because sometimes the cover touches the cake which is baking. Um, or And number two, because the steam of the baking food is absorbed into the cover. The Bach takes this second reason very seriously. As a matter of fact, he interprets both reasons to be dealing with the steam of the food. And the Bach, therefore, is of the opinion in interpreting the Torah here that steam, which emerges from baking solid foods, is considered like a solid food. The steam that emerges from a solid food is considered like a solid food, and any utensil which absorbed the steam of a solid food is considered as if it had touched that dry food, and therefore needs to be captured through Libon and not Hagala. The steam, one would assume, of a liquid soup is like a liquid. And one would only need Hagala to kasher a pot cover, which was used for soup. But a cover of a baking pan, which absorbed the steam of a bread, for Hilchot Pesach, is considered to have absorbed directly from the bread and needs Liban. This is a very, very difficult savara to understand logically, because the whole point of steam is that it is the moisture that comes out. It is a liquid medium. And therefore, it's very hard to understand why the Bach would be of the opinion, perhaps he's correctly interpreting the Torah, why anyone would be of the opinion that steam, which emerges from solid food, has the status of dry heat when steam is in fact uh, moisture, water vapor. The Perhaps for that reason, the Mishnah Brura seems to reject this approach, 
because the Mishnah Brura in Sifkatan Pei Hey tells us Tzarech Liban Lefisha Brura Pamim Nogea Kisoi Begofa Charash Tachtav Bolei Minu Tamachamech Lo Alide Mashke Al Alide Chom Haish. The Mishnah Brura omits any mention of steam and tells us that the cover of a baking pan needs Liban because it usually the word usually is important here as we will see soon because it usually touches the food which is baking and absorbed directly from the solid food through dry heat. If so, the Mishnah Brewer seems to be of the opinion then that steam, zea, which emerges from solid foods, has the status of water vapor, of water, and anything which absorbed merely through steam, whether that steam emerged from a solid or a liquid, would be considered to have absorbed through cooking and boiling water, and would be kosherable through hagala. If so, our ovens, which absorb only through steam, should be kosherable through agola, or as we mentioned, the substitute, the easily accomplished substitute of liban kal. However, what about the fact that sometimes food spills in the oven? Well, if some gravy spills out of a pan, which is probably the more frequent type of spill, then that is also a liquid medium of boiling water, and if it absorbed through gravy, should be kosherable through hagala. What about the fact that sometimes solid pieces of food spill from a pan, and a piece of an actual piece of meat or of bread or cake will break off and land on the bottom of the oven. So occasionally we must admit that ovens absorbed through solid pieces of food spilling and landing on the oven and being absorbed into the oven. In which case an oven should require leban. However, then we come on to a machlokes rishonim which is mentioned in Simon Tafnun Aleph Seif Vav. Tosus discusses as well the second to last Tosus in the Sechet Avodah Zarah and all the other Rishonim debate whether for the purpose of kasher when you follow Rov Tashmisho or not. When we say one must kasher a utensil in accordance with the way it was used, does that mean one must kasher a utensil in the way it was used most often, in the way it was regularly, normally used, rov tashmisho, figure out how a utensil is usually used and kasher it that way, or no. One must kasher it in accordance with every way in which it was used. If a utensil was used a thousand times, one must find the one time in which it was used with the strongest level of heat and kasher it in accordance with that level of heat. That is a machloket rishonin, and the Mechaber Paskins in Se'if Vav, that that if a utensil is used ten times, one needn't worry about the one most intense way in which it was used. If it was used nine times in the same fashion, one must kasher it only in accordance with the way it was normally used. The Rambah says, Yesh mach mirin, minhag, the Ramah Paskins that we are Machmer Lechachila to Kasher in accordance with meat with Tashmishan. We are Machmer Lechachila to Kasher utensil 
in accordance with the most intense heat it was ever used with. However, the Dieved, if it was already kashrin and used, we can rely on the opinion of Rov Tashmisho, and so long it was a kashrin in accordance with the way it was usually used, that is good enough. Let us apply that, for example, to a utensil, such as they discuss here a, a plate. A plate is usually used merely to, uh, let's say, a soup bowl is usually used just to pour hot soup into, so one should be able to cash it by pouring boiling water into it. But occasionally, you know, once it may have been used, you stuck it on top of a pot when you couldn't find the pot cover and it was used directly on the fire. So, can we follow the way it was usually used and cash it through pouring water on it, Eroy? Or does one have to actually put it in a pot of boiling water because it was once used directly on the fire? Uh, similarly, Toso discusses the case of the knives which were usually used off the fire, but once stuck into a hot dog to take it off the barbecue. So the Mechamer says, oh, just kasher it with pouring some boiling water uh, in the way it was usually used. Don't worry about the fact that once it was used <coughs> in a more intensely hot fashion. But the Ramah says, we are machmer to kasher it in accordance with the most intense heat it ever encountered. So one would therefore need to in the case of the pot of the soup bowl, put in a pot of boiling water, since it was once stuck on a pot of boiling water. In the case of the knife, do libon blowtorch it, since it was once stuck on directly on top of the barbecue. However, bidiyeved, we assume it's good enough if you castrate it in the way it was usually used. To apply this to our ovens, usually the ovens are used in a way which does not spill solid food on them. Usually, they are, you cook food in a pan and only the steam is absorbed into the oven. Or you spill liquids, which are spilled much more frequently, and the liquid is absorbed into the oven. Only very rarely does solid food spill onto the bottom of the oven. That is clearly not the majority of cases. In which case, lichachila, we should have to kasher an oven through liban by blowtorching it. But Bidiyeved, it would be good enough if we just turned it on the highest temperature for an hour, which is Levin Kal, the equivalent of Haggalah. If so, we seem to have answered our question. An oven should lechachila be kashered through Liban, because once in a while, a solid piece of food falls and touches the oven. However, it seems that we needn't be so strict because since this is only a lechachila that an oven needs to be kashered through liban, and there are other factors which would induce us to be lenient, other tzad and lahakel, it seems that we have the right to be lenient. What are those other tzad and lahakel, other factors which would call for leniency? We can list a number of them. Number one, as we have learned in the previous two shirim ago, who says it's also to cook in a tray oven anyway? It is far from clear that steam has the ability to take taste out of a tray oven and bring it into your food. So it's not even clear that we need to kasher the oven in the first place. The Aruch HaShulchan doesn't require kashering of an oven. Likewise, we have the opinion of the Mordechai, even though that opinion is rejected, which tells us that Liban Kal, merely turning it up to the highest temperature for an hour, suffices in all cases even when Liban is required 
And most importantly, we have a machloken amongst the Rishonim, amongst the Achronim, as to how to apply the principle of kibolo kachpolto to items which are used for dry heat. The principle of kibolo kachpolto tells us that one kashers a utensil in accordance with the way in which it absorbed the taste. Therefore, if a utensil absorbed the taste through dry heat, one must blowtorch it until sparks fly off of it. Is this, because we have a general rule, anything used with dry heat needs the appropriate level of libun, or is it because fundamentally a utensil only needs to be used in accordance with the temperature, needs to be kashered at the same temperature with which it was used. Since we have no way of knowing what temperature a utensil might have been heated to, we kasher it with blowtorch until the sparks fly off to make sure we have achieved that temperature. The question again, the question becomes, does anything used to dry heat need the category called libun of blowtorching until sparks fly off? Or really, something needs to be kashered at the exact same temperature at which, as, at which it was used. Just since we don't know what temperature it was used, we blowtorch it until sparks fly off to be on the safe side the difference between these two understandings would come across in the case of an oven. We know the highest temperature at which an oven was used. The highest temperature it reaches. Ovens only go up to a certain temperature. We know it couldn't have ever been used at a higher temperature than it is capable of achieving. Therefore, if one were to assume that anything used to dry heat needs Liban Gummer, needs complete Liban, an oven would need complete Liban. However, if one were to assume, as many Achronim do, that fundamentally an item only needs to be kashered at the exact same heat in which it was used, then if one turned the oven up to the highest setting, that should do the trick. Normally, uh, in many cases we are not. We are machmir, certainly l'chachila, when it comes to this question, but it is certainly a very strong additional factor, tzad l'hakel, a factor to argue for leniency, that perhaps even if an oven required liban, turning it up to the highest temperature would do the trick, because the entire purpose of liban is not to reach an objective state of sparks flying off it, but just to make sure that we've captured it at the same temperature at which it was used. To summarize then, it seems that as far as the question of how an oven was used, we have the right to be lenient and kasher it by turning it up to the highest temperature for an hour. Certainly, if we are kashering from milk or meat because it was hetera bala, it only absorbed a permitted taste. And even if we are kashering for Pesach or kashering a treif oven, because number one, it was usually used through steam and through liquid spills. And therefore, if we follow Rov Tashmisha, which is the majority opinion, that we kasher in accordance with the majority use, we could kasher through Hagolo or Liban Kal. Number two, because perhaps Liban Kal counts as Liban, a minority opinion that tells us turning it up to the highest temperature for an hour actually counts as Liban. And number three, because even if it required Liban, maybe the purpose of Liban is not to objectively reach the state of Liban, but just to make sure that we're kashering it at the same temperature as the highest temperature it was ever used at.
And if so, if we turn the oven up to the highest possible setting, then we know it was captured at the highest temperature at which it was ever used. Seems that these factors are enough to rely on as grounds for leniency. If so, why do many postkin, including Ramosha Feinstein, assume that one must blowtorch or perhaps self-clean the oven? Because ovens nowadays are made of metal coated with enamel. The inside of your oven is metal with a very, very thin forged-on coating of enamel. The post can debate what the status of enamel is. Is enamel considered part of the metal, in which case it can be kashered, just like any other utensil? Or is enamel considered like klicheres, like earthenware, which cannot be kashered at all, except through a complete libun of being blowtorched until it glows hot. It glows red or white hot. The as an aside, it is often considered, believed that earthenware, such as china, klicherets, cannot be kashered at all. This is, in fact, incorrect. It can be kashered, but only with great difficulty, um, with the level of liban gomer, of complete liban, uh, which is putting it inside a kiln or a furnace or otherwise heating it until it reaches an exceedingly high temperature. The post can debate what the status of enamel is. The chasam sulfur and others assume that enamel is kasherable, but many achronim assume that enamel is not kasherable. Therefore, Moshe Feinstein and the author of the Badi Yashochan and others say ovens can only be kashered, regardless of how they were used. An earthenware dish, such as a regular china plate, even if it was only used off the fire, cannot be kashered without libon, because Klicheres has a unique chumrah that either Torah Klicheres and Yotzim they don't feel the olam. There is no way to kasher Klicheres except by re-firing it as if it were new, which is accomplished through the tremendous heat achieved in the process of Liban. So all of our previous conclusions, notwithstanding, if an oven is made of cheres of earthenware, then it, can be not, it cannot be kasher without Liban. And that is why Rav Moshe Feinstein the author of the Badi Yashulchan and others hold that an oven can only be kashered by blowtorching it or a self-cleaning oven can be kashered by the self-cleaning cycle although one would probably still have to blowtorch uh, the doors and the other areas of the oven in which uh, the heat does not penetrate uh, fully the crevices especially where one closes the door might still have to be either covered with silver foil for Pesach or blowtorched for kashering a tray oven. The many poskim assume that enamel uh, is kasherable for Pesach, or if Soloveitchik and many other poskim, or Vadi Yosef, assume that one may kasher an oven for Pesach. The poskim throughout the generations have been very, uh, very confused as to exactly what enamel is made of. Apparently, originally, it was a trade secret and the manufacturers refused to disclose how it was made. It seems that there is ample, seems to me, that there is ample rule to rely on, ample room to rely on the lenient opinion here, especially since our Salvechik and many other postcom took that opinion. Enamel actually seems to be made of some sort of glass, uh, it seems, um, which is bonded with the metal. So perhaps, as some achronim hold, it is considered part of the metal, even if it is considered glass, according to the Prima Godim and others, 
one may kasher glass all year long. And even though we Ashkenazim are machmer not to kasher glass for Pesach, when uh, one is stuck and there is no alternative available, we are in some cases, uh, in some cases, mekel. And therefore, ovens, which uh, it's hard to buy another oven, it's very inconvenient to go without kashering an oven for Pesach, perhaps there's room to be mekel and assume that it is kashable, especially in light of all the different uh, factors for leniency which one could bring in. Number one, perhaps enamel is part of the metal and is therefore kashable. Even if it is glass, perhaps glass is kashable. Uh, an issue which we don't have time to go into uh, fully right now. And, according to Rav Shechter, the Rav and others we mentioned two years ago, perhaps ovens don't need to be kashered in the first place. Uh, with, and certainly if one waits 24 hours before kashering an oven, which one should certainly do at least if we're dealing with a treif oven or kashering for Pesach, then it is any taste absorbed in the oven is tam gam is merely a stale taste which Bidyevid would not trafe up the food anyway. On Pesach, we are somewhat more makel, but at least uh, there is still room, uh, some room to be lenient, the Hefs and Baruba. Therefore, uh, taking into account all these factors, it seems there is what to rely on to follow the lenient opinions that say enamel is kasherable, and one may kasher the oven by turning it on to the highest setting for an hour or so. However, one also understands those who are machmir, uh, because perhaps enamel, after all, it does seem to be some glassy perhaps, uh, substance, perhaps comparable to earthenware. One understands as well the shita that is machran assumes that it has the status of klicheres and can only be kashered by liban chamer, by blowtorching or self-cleaning and then further blowtorching or covering those nooks and crannies in which the heat of the self-cleaning does not reach.